Jim is ready for a tough game. I'm not sure if everybody else is a good one. So, we believe in Google around here. We think it's very important. In fact, we think two things are vitally important to your relationship with God, and that is humor and humility. We believe the most holy people laugh, laugh a lot, and usually have some fun. So, uh, we always do uh, top 10. So we have our own Facebook page, Waypoint's Top 10. And so if you are not a follower, please make sure to like that page. And then each week when we uh, put up the topic, you can make all your sarcastic comments. So since it is summertime, and we've been playing some beat music over the sound system before the title went out, and we're playing some beat music, we decided that here is the top 10 top 10 things overheard at the booth. All right, so... I had to actually tell our crowd on Facebook, stay out of the day. Uh, I had to tell them because this is our people. Uh, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard to say. I brought them with right up to the line. All right, there we go. Okay. Ready, Dan? All right, here we go. Number 10. Number 10. Okay, uh, overheard a speech. Is this? You see, it's just like I said. You put out a tsunami warning and we got the whole beach for ourselves all day. It's yours. That's how you do it. It's yours. How you do it. All right. Number nine. Thank you. I'm here with the beach captain. Hey, really? I never burn. This redness will be gone tomorrow. That never works out. No. No. Never works. Then I never burn. Okay. You never burn? Uh-uh. I know you. You burn. All right. Here we go. Number eight. Thank you. I'm here with the beach captain. Now I know why it's called a sand wheel. No, no, that's, that's the one reason I don't like to be. It's everywhere. It is. Everywhere yeah. you don't want to be. There it is. Okay. Little seven back over here to me. That be that. Hey, look, that politician is buried up to the neck and saying, "Quick, get more sand." No, no, sir. Little six back over here to me. That can see. Hey, the sunscreen smells an awful lot, uh, a lot like yogurt. Stop eating the stuff. Okay. Eat it. Why do they make it smell so good? I don't know. Coconut. I don't know. Is that it? Is that it? Number five thing overheard at the beaches. You always got to say that when you're at the beach, right? You got to do it. You got to do it. Okay. Number four thing overheard at the beach. I'm seeing my fat hairy belly beating sufficiently over my cheetah. Is this the way it's supposed to go? It's supposed to work like this. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like that. Now, I want y'all to know, just to pick that number three. Here we go. Number three, number three. Is that a song or are you just wearing dental flats? I told him not to, he did it anyway. Oh, no. Never seen Oh, oh, my Oh, those songs. Oh, that's what they're talking about? Don't tell me other ones. Oh, that's what they're talking about. Well, the truth is, I ain't overheard the speech has to be there. Now, if you put your ear to the end of the soda can, you can really hear the sound of the city. Yup. Wait, I'm not going to get that later. Oh, here we go. And another one, thanks. Oh, I heard the speech, yes. Hey, these lifeguards don't run the slow motion. They get there on time. All right, thank you for the laughter. We thank you for the joy that it brings and just to make the room and create this moment. And we're going to continue to create moments and invite you into this place to teach us. And we're here with this aspect of the first time. That is exactly where we're at to uh, uh, first one that we're about our father's first. But then your son's name would be first. Amen. Buckle up and hold on. At our church, we love God. Make no mistake about that. At our church, we believe in God's radical, unconditional, and unwavering love for us. At our church, we believe that Jesus is God. We also affirm that you may or may not believe that Jesus is God. And we're not asking you to change your belief system before you attend our church. We're simply inviting you on a journey toward Jesus. For years, churches have placed a high priority on Jesus as the get-out-of-hell-free card. At our church, we place the highest priority on Jesus as a live-life-to-the-fullest invitation. 
At our church, we believe every person has a dream deep inside their hearts, and that God put that dream there, not for our glory, but for His. At our church, we're not concerned with where you've been, but where you're going. At our church, we believe that the Bible is God's Word. It is real. It is living. It is active. We believe that people who don't go to church anywhere are not the enemy. They are real people who need the perfect love that only God can give. And we believe that God gives this love through, of all people, us. At our church, we do not and we will not display a holier-than-thou attitude toward anyone. We are all broken people, but He is putting us back together. And finally, and most importantly... At our church, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really died on the cross, and that he really rose again on the third day. And we cannot and we will not candy coat or water down that message, ever. Today, you've chosen to sit yourself in the middle of a very safe place to hear a potentially dangerous message. Welcome to our church. Welcome, welcome, my friends. It is so good to have you with us tonight. I'm excited about tonight. Anybody else excited about tonight? Ready to go? Awesome, awesome. Uh, hey, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, you think it's a perfect night to join us. Welcome. My name is Todd. I'm one of the teaching elders here at Waypoint. And I get the honor of this and privilege of just leading our conversation tonight. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I sure would love to do that afterwards. So make sure that you find me if you would. Uh, if you're joining us online, welcome and thank you for your patience. With the power outage, we have to reset everything in the sound booth. So thanks for sticking with us through there, uh, through our website or YouTube. Uh, and so guys, I'm excited about tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to take another step on this amazing journey that we've just simply been calling Breakthrough. It is the study of God breaking through into our world, breaking through into the human story, breaking through into our individual lives. And We've been using as our guide on this journey a Luke gospel. Why Luke? Well, because he approaches the life of Jesus uh, unlike anyone else, in a different way than Matthew and Mark and John, because Luke is an educated historian. And so he tells us that he gathers all the information, that he interviews the eyewitnesses so that we can be confident of the truth in which we have been touched. And so Luke's gospel is the longest of the gospels. It's got a lot more detail in it. And it just helps us to see in a different way that Jesus was a real person who lived in a real world that had real encounters with real people. And it's so important for us to understand and embrace. It's just not a book. Uh, it is a story uh, of Jesus, a real Jesus. And tonight we are going to be in chapter 7. So if you brought your Bibles tonight, I'm so glad that you did. Would you please turn uh, to Luke chapter 7? And if you didn't, uh, I want to encourage you to get a couple of options for that. Uh, first of all, you can use one of the Bibles that we provided for you. Uh, if you want to use one of those blue Bibles on the table, uh, we're going to be on page 617. And there's that, uh, the address, Luke 7, verses 18 to 35. Otherwise, if you have a smartphone, you can download a little app that looks like this, that's Holy Bible. And once you have that, it's called Version. Once you download that, you can search for my events, just Waypoints, and you will find everything that you need for tonight. So, as you're turning there, I want to set up what you and I are about to dive into, what we're about ready to wrestle through. And in order to do that, we've got to kind of go back in time. Right? We've got to go a little bit back towards the beginning of the journey, and we have to talk about a person named John the Baptist, or most commonly known as John the Baptist. Uh, his job, according to Luke in the very beginning, was this, that John was to be a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. His job was to go out and tell people that the Messiah, that Jesus, is coming. Uh, he does an incredible job. Uh, people listen to his message, they respond to his message, they flock to him by the thousands. John baptizes people into repentance. Uh, people are just ready for God. And one day, when he's uh, baptizing all of these people in repentance, Jesus himself shows up in the crowd, and Jesus comes into the water to be submerged in the repentance of all of these people. And it's in that moment that the, that the, cloud, that the clouds part, 
the sky opens, and the Holy Spirit, the shape of a dove, comes down and lands on Jesus, and they hear this voice, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. And everybody knows, this is Messiah, this is Jesus. And Jesus leaves and to begin his ministry, but John continues to it. His job is pointing people to Jesus. Because John says, look, I'm not the Messiah. I'm here to prepare the way for him. He, the Messiah, must become greater and greater, and he must become less and less. And so John just continues to be calling people to repentance. Now, as a Christian word, let me make sure that we all understand it. Repentance is simply this. The word literally means to turn around and go the other Direction, right? So you're living your life, you're walking this way, and you realize this is a really dumb way to go, and so you turn around and you go the other direction. See, I was walking with my back to Jesus, my face towards sin, and I decided, can't that idea. And I looked around, and my face is towards Jesus, and my back is sin. I'm repentant. I'm changing. I'm going the other direction. See, guys, this path. When my back is to Jesus and my face is to sin, when I'm walking down there, man, I am thinking things I should not be thinking, and I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, and the consequences of my action begin just building in my life. See, that path, that journey, will only lead to one place in my life. It's the only place sin will ever lead us. Not just a physical death, but an emotional death, a mental death, a spiritual death, a relational death, a situation. Well, so you're all the way to able to come back to Jesus in three times. It's going to have to go the other direction. And so this is John's job. He's got to be somewhere by hope. He's got to repent. He's got to get right. right? And so in order for John to call people to repentance, he first has to point out the issues that they're doing wrong. He first has to point out, here is the wrong path, and you're on it. And so he decides, right, in his words, for a whether it's prompted by God or not, I'm not sure, but in his wisdom, he decides to use this gospel to point out the issues of the royal family. Which turns out to be a little bit more like a bad episode of Springer uh, than anything else. Let me tell you a little bit of the story. Let me give you the condensed version. We've got the story of the two, two of the sons of Herod the Great. We've got, first of all, this lovely looking chap right here. Antipas, Herod Antipas, and then his brother, Philip. Uh, so, I want to tell you, the mission goes a little like this. Herod Antipas, the guy on the left, takes a trip to Rome, where his brother Philip is living. And he goes and visits his half brother Philip. There, Antipas falls in love with Philip's wife, Herodia, uh, who also happens to be Antipas's niece. That's where he's seen the delivered Jesus. And what begins to happen is she likes the idea of dating and marrying the governor, and so she agrees to marry him. But Antipas uh, will get rid of his current wife. So he's currently married already, and he's married to the daughter of the kingdom next door, the king of the kingdom next door. And so as soon as she finds out Antipas is coming to dinner, she flees to death. It causes all sorts of problems. So, to summarize, let me make sure that we all understand this real quick. Antipas' relationship with Herodias is that she is his niece and his sister-in-law, but he found his wife through divorcing his brother. While not quite divorcing his first wife, he married her anyway. John's got plenty of sin to throw out. Uh, he's got plenty of called to repentance tonight. But Antipas and his new lovely bride do not appreciate being called out in public for their sin and their bad behavior. So John is arrested and he is thrown in prison to uh, the fortress, whoops, you know, the picture for you of uh, Matthias. And they picture uh, right there on the Dead Sea, uh, a little bit to the east of it. And that is where you and I will pick up our story tonight. Let me ask you, who's ready to dive into God's words in the middle Awesome. Awesome. Let's go ahead and silence our cell phones. Make sure they're on the screen. And let's uh, 
come together and let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for tonight. And we just come before you, just waiting in anticipation for what you have to reveal to us and what an encounter with you will mean, a life that is changed, that is inspired, that is encouraged, and following up that you have great things in store for us tonight. But we're not here because somebody invited us, we're not here uh, because we need something to do with the Father, we are here because you called us here, whether we realize it or not. As the Father, we invite you, and we just, we carefully ask God to bear our hearts, prepare our minds for what you have for us tonight, and come and meet with us. But when we meet here tonight, we have a whole lot of just a whole lot more than just a good food. But we have finished life. And we also know that we have an enemy, Satan, who does not want us to hear from you. And so we do as you instruct us in your word, and we declare and we invoke the kingdom of heaven, and we command Satan, you and your demonic uh, forces, you must pray in the mind of Jesus Christ. You're not welcome here. And so you are the ask you are protected, that you are filled with hope, that may it truly be tonight, both for heaven and earth tonight. So, Father, bless us in your presence. So, your question for the Holy Name that we pray about it, I pray to God. Amen. Amen. So, Luke chapter 7, we're going to read just a, a few verses, stop on back, read a few more, stop on back, kind of go as we've been going. And then we're going to get to a section where we're going to read a lot of verses at once. In fact, we're probably going to cover more verses tonight than we normally do because. Well, there's just no real good place to divide this up, so I want to kind of get it all in one second kind of group. So here we go. Verse 18 says that the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to ask uh, to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking to someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases and illnesses and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Let's talk about this real quick. Now, now you guys said John is sitting in prison. And when you are sitting in prison, you have a whole lot of time to think. And what is John thinking about? Um, did I miss something? That's basically what he's asking. I got arrested for standing up for God. What? Yes. My whole life has been dedicated to God, telling people about Him, telling them that they needed to repent, come closer to God, baptizing people in repentance. Baptizing Messiah, sending my disciples to follow Jesus instead of me. I spent my whole life making me last and last for the reason to become greater and greater. And my reward is to be put in prison. What in the world? Yes. If I am right with God and I am doing right stuff and Jesus is good, why is my life sucking so bad? I love the Bible because it's just on. It's so true. Guys, isn't that a really fair question? I mean, how do we have those moments? We've all been there. We find ourselves in some really horrible situation, and we just look up to heaven and say, what's the deal? And what? Yes. It's especially true when the hard situation is the death. I mean, it's much like God. I'm like, really? Really? Seriously? But what is the deal? Why then? Why now? Why take the good ones and leave so many bad ones? It's just me on the only thing that first one. I'm like, okay, all right, well, right? I mean, come on, why do bad things happen to good people? That's not a great question. It's an honest question. It's a real question. And honestly, John has the right to ask this question. He's sitting in prison and he's done everything God has asked him to do. And he's sitting in prison, and soon enough, if you follow the story, he's literally going to be beheaded in prison. He's going to die. So what's going to come? They're going to cut his head off, and they're going to put it on a platter, a silver platter, and bring it to him. I mean, this is not good. 
Are you really the Messiah, or should we be looking for someone else? John knows in his heart that Jesus is the Messiah, it's his heart that has the issue. If you have some conflict, remember John was the one who saw Jesus in the crowd. He called out before everybody looked. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John was not confused then. He was confused right now. He was certain Jesus was it. See, John knows who Jesus is in his head, but now that he's sitting in a situation that is not good, a situation he does not expect, and he's sitting in a prison cell, knowing that he's probably going to die. Now his life is on the line. Now the life is hit the fan. Then the world gives I'm confused. I know and I don't know. So what he's doing is he's having a really hard time reconciling what he knows to be true. And then he hears it. And we've all been there. We've all done that. We've been in these situations. Moment where we know in our head that God is good. We know in our head that God is true. We know in our head that God is right. That He exists. But in the moment, the Lord says, This is the thing. There's a collision between our head and our heart. There's a disconnect between what we know and what we feel. I'm getting mixed signals. It's not so hard. I've been really struggling with uh, with some vertigo issues, and I'm kind of just messing with you. Know, if you ever have that, you don't, you don't want vertigo. I'm going to tell you. So the whole world is spinning constantly. And then your brain is really in fog. And the doctor said the reason why your brain is in fog and you feel sick in your stomach is because your brain is getting all these signals at once, and it causes dissonance. And if you're a musician, you know when a chord kind of collapses, or some dissonance, but you know, you sound good, right? My brain is in a fog because it has dissonance to it. My mind has dissonance. This is like, what is going on? My friends, you and I hear this enough, especially from pastors and teachers of the faith. So hear me very clearly. So I have your undivided attention. Do I have it? Because there's something I need to tell you guys. How many questions? Is okay. Having doubt is okay. Having a crisis of faith is okay. Way too many religious people over the years have just dumped the shame on you for having questions and doubts and faith questions. So you shouldn't do that. Shame on you. You know, I say shame on them. Because we all have these moments, and they are wrong, and you are not. And way too many times we listen to Satan's voice yapping in our ear when he tells us things like, and you call yourself a Christian. You suck at this. You don't even know if you believe anymore. But that's his fault. I know these people have those in Don't ask that. Some of you are truly blessed if you've never had those questions go out in your head. We take that thing that they try to put on that the religious person is trying to put on, and we own it. We it like a project, and it smothers us. So, my friends, I'm here to tell you, not only is it okay to have your moments of a crisis, not only is it okay to have your doubts, not only is it okay to have your questions when it comes to faith, it is your faith. It is so important when you have these moments, you cannot truly believe something until it has been tested, until it has been broken and put back together. Until it has been tested, it is not real. The crisis of faith are required, required for you to grow. If you only have a basic, untested faith, you have a childish faith. And that can grow up. An untested faith is a weak faith. That's why religious people can't understand it. Because religious people are wrapped up in the to-do list 
God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. word for witness actually translated as murder. 
to do his granddaughter's graduation. He didn't get a chance at my son's wedding. That's not fair. He died too young. He's a really good man. He deserves more luck. Am I right? Do I have the right to say those things? Yes. I feel them because it's from my point of view. I feel validated. But am I right from somebody else's point of view? Maybe not. From somebody else's point of view, they can look and say, but at least you had a guy who loved you for all those years. Is that right?
these all. We want to keep our eyes focused upon you. And we want to find soul.